Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog Podcast. Today, we have a very exciting guest, uh, someone who came highly recommended to me that you have to have this person on the show. Skip Miller, welcome to Sales Lead Dog Podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you for taking the time to, to have us on. Skip, tell me a little bit about yourself and M3 Learning. Sure. Uh, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. So if there's any Indians or Browns fans listening, you get extra credit points. Uh, was a salesperson, sales manager, VP of sales, moved to California, um, did a couple of turnarounds, that type of stuff as either VP of sales or as president. Um, about 20 some odd years ago, uh, the company I was with wanted me to transfer back to the East Coast. And although it's a great place, I kind of like California. And so I decided to do my own thing. And within the first couple of months, I got a couple of good contracts, a couple of good customers. And what we do is sales and sales management training and, and, and coaching. So our job is to make salespeople and managers better at the point of attack. So we're, we're, we're quite tactical. We're, you know, how do you start a call? How do you end a call? How do you not lose control? How do you walk people through stages of a, of a buy sales process? You know, I, I leave the strategy to others and, you know, really dive into the tactics because for me as a VP of sales, I mean, I'd send my people to these training classes, which is great. And they put all the stuff on the wall and they coach themselves and stuff and so on. And three weeks later, they were following none of it. So, you know, that, that kind of drove me crazy. So no. we're, we're definitely into management coaching. You should make sure managers really implement stuff and that the salespeople can get better as well. So that's what we've been doing. Being in Silicon Valley, a lot of our customers are high-tech customers. So we kind of know those from the small startups all the way up to, to Google and Zoom and Tableau and stuff. But that's kind of what we do. Now, if I'm a sales leader and I'm having problems or who are the, uh, the what type of sales leaders whatever should be reaching out to you to say, Skip, come help me? Let's see. Um, the ones typically in Silicon Valley, uh, the ones who get to be like 20, 30, 50 million, and they figure that, you know, what got us to where we're at is not good enough to get us over the $100 million hump. So we got to change our processes. We got to change our things. You know, um, we can't really scale with what we're doing right now. You know, if you're a billion dollar plus company, I, I guess we can kind of help, but we much prefer the, the the ones who are on a rocket ship. We started with Zoom when there were three people. We started with Tableau when there were 20 people. And, and those are just kind of fun to help build their process, help them do the right things and, and that type of stuff. So if you're a sales leader right now, look at a 21 going, well, we're going to have to grow 20, 30% and we're not going to be able to hire that many people. So we got to make our managers and our salespeople smarter. Um, that's kind of the people we kind of go after. That's awesome. Um, and those are some pretty big names everyone should know, you know, so that that's pretty cool. They're fun people. They're fun people. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Um, tell me about your approach to coaching and how you engage with a, a sales team. Um, buyers buying a process and we got to match that. So as you well probably know that when you implement CRM, we want to put sales stages in there and sales activities by stage, which is great. But what are you asking the customer to do? 
So if you're at through stage one, stage two, stage three, or whatever, and you've done the great presentation, you've done the demo, you've done the trial, you, you've done the whatever it may be, and you really haven't engaged the customer and having them do things, we, we call them give gets or, or homework assignments, right? Then, then you're just giving, giving, giving. And it, it's the philosophy of if I do what the customer tells me to do and I do it well, I'll get the order. And that, for the low-hanging fruit, maybe, but that doesn't really work. So um, we believe buyers want to be led, but they want to be led through a buy process. So the best CRM implementations and, and, and things we see is, okay, in stage one, what do we want to do? What do we want the buyer to do? What's some good exit criteria? And you can't do them all. It would be really kind of fun. But then you go to stage two. And with that kind of approach, you really start leveraging your managers, because now the managers can get engaged early as opposed to just trying to get deals over the finish line. Right, right. So that's a critical component then to is you need those sales managers engaging in those earlier stages, not waiting for stuff to come to them. Is that correct? <laughs> so um, I'll ask a group of sales managers in a five, six stage, whatever sales process, where do you get most involved? And they'll say, well, stage four or five, getting deals all across the finish line. And I'll say, um, well, what about stage two? Well, here's my imitation of a sales manager coaching in stage two. How's it going? Good. Need anything? No. Call me if you need me. Okay. I got to go close deals. So call me if you need me. <laughs> well, that's, that's not coaching, right? right. But yet right. When, we'll, when we put a roadmap together and say, what are the activities in stage one or one of the activities in stage two? The stage two, three activities are huge. I mean, in yeah. stage four or five, it's get the order. I mean, so if you're not coaching to all the stuff that has to get done, for example, we believe that early in the process, there's two value propositions. I am on a mission to destroy the term decision maker because I think there's two. We call them one below the line, which is the person who's going to use your stuff and, you know, you know, really wants to get the best competitive value and is really enamored with the features and stuff. Right. And the above the line buyer, the fiscal buyer, the one who says, you know what, I got, I got a $30 million problem and I can see if I buy this, this is going to make a dent in at least a third of it. I mean, and how much does it cost? Five grand a month? Really? I mean, so there's two value props. We have a tendency to go below the line because they want to talk about us. We want to talk about us. We're all talking about us. And then maybe near the end, we go to the above the line buyer and go, what do you think about us? Which is not what they want to talk about. Right. I got five brothers and sisters. And before COVID, when we got together, there was like 50, 60 of us. We got all get together. There were so many people. We had a kid table and an adult table. And the kids loved it because they got to speak kid talk. The adults love it because they didn't have to speak kid talk. So take that analogy. And if I'm a salesperson talking to all the below the line buyers, when I get a chance to go to the executive suite, the above the line buyers, I'm going to give them an executive overview of the below the line stuff, which is not what they want to hear. So where's management coaching in stage two to go after those both value props? So, I mean, that type of stuff is what you really want to capture and manage to in stage management, which CRM definitely supports. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And what I love about what you're saying is you're really requiring the customer to engage with you by giving them stuff to do and asking them to commit to stuff that's a totally different approach, you know, in terms of you, you're going to find out how committed they are right away. Um, I got, I, I got, time. without a doubt, I got a, a deal we just 
just started right now. And I said to the sales VP, I said, do me a favor. You're probably putting your slideshow together for the 2021 executive meeting. You want to send me a copy of those slides so I can just at least know what your visions are, or what your things are. So I don't know if we can help. Well, the problem is I have to go through 79 slides now. So, I mean, I got, <laughs> but those type of things, even if something as simple as Chris, we have a meeting tomorrow. Here's the five things we're going to talk about. Could you circle star highlight the ones that are really important to you so I can make sure we maximize your time? If they don't even respond to that, what's yeah. that telling you? Where's management coaching to those stuff? Because if they don't respond to those and all of a sudden next week, that deal goes into stage four and it's going to close by the end of the month, it's not going to close. It didn't have enough energy. So right. that's what you really right. want to capture in those activity levels that, you know, you, you probably have seen great successful CRM implementations that capture that data. Right. Yeah, rather than just a check in the box of all the sales activities that were done. Right, right. Did you do this? Did you do that? But that doesn't really give that insight of how engaged the customer is. Um, that, uh, uh, which to me, that's a very, you really, the me typical measure of that is what's your best guess for probability this is going to close. Exactly right. And we're seeing more and more, you know, CRM output being customer facing. Here's our stages, John. We're here. Let's go here. And here's what we need done. So we're seeing more and more um, uh, customer facing roadmaps, uh, close plans. Uh, uh, we call them triptychs from, you know, the, the American Automobile Association used to give these little series of maps called a triptych. You know, it's a roadmap. Why aren't your roadmaps customer facing? We have a friend who quit his job at Stripe. He opened up his own you know, software company and he's out there putting these customer facing roadmaps together in an app and, and selling them because right. that's the trick. If, if you're not working with your customer, you're working at them. And that's right. not what you really want a good CRM installation to be, be doing. Oh, it's so true that, you know, we when we approach and connect with a prospect, to me, if I can't be their partner, a true partner and really helping them transform their business, I'm not going to be successful, no. you know, and, and I want, I want hundred percent success rate. I have to have that. It, and, it, it, uh, you know, it comes back in your reputation. Oh, exactly. exactly. You know, if I, if I train a whole bunch of people and, and managers and a year later they go, yeah, we, we had skip, we learned some tips and tricks. Well, tricks is what you learn in circuses and we don't want to do that. And I don't want to have a bunch of tips. You're paying me too much money to learn some tips. We want a great process and the goal like CRM, What's the goal? Yep. Shorten sales cycles, get better than a 40, 50% accuracy rate, yep. increase average sales prices. If I can manage 20 to 25% of a typical company's cost is in sales, sales marketing. So that, that's a quarter. We live with 50% forecast accuracy. So that's telling you 10 to 15% of a company's assets are being thrown away because we're not doing a good job working with our customers early in the process. That's right. a lot of money, man. Oh, it is. It really is. Especially, you know, you're talking about if you're trying to get from 30 million to 100 million and you can't trust your forecasts, um, you're doing it with one arm tied behind your back. I'll ask a sales VP. I'll say, this is January 1, a 90-day forecast. Let's say you've got 100 deals in your funnel, 100 deals. At the end of 90 days, those 100 not ones that left and ones that came back in, those hundred, how many came in? Yeah. And I get, ah, that's a good question. Um, you know, 40, 30, Wait, are, are you, and you're okay with that? No, well, that's just what we're conditioned to. Right. 
Right. We've got customers who have 60, 70, 80% forecast accuracy. And, right. and here's the biggest issue. Of the 100, that they won 25 or 30. That's 540. They, they lost 25 or 30. But 25, 30 of them are maybes. Right. Yeses are great. Noes are great. Maybes will kill you. You got 10 deals in your funnel, you win eight, congrats. You got 10 deals in your funnel, you lose eight, congrats. You know you're doing something wrong and you can fix it. You right. got 10 deals in your funnel, eight maybes, they're going to slip to the next month. They're going to slip to the next month. They're going to prevent new stuff from coming in because you're believing that they're coming in. We walked, we looked at a customer, typical sales price, 60 gram. They had two deals in their funnel. One was 321 days. Not only counting that, one was 346 days. The guy's dead. I mean, yeah. 346 days in the funnel. I mean, no, oh, no, no. I talked to him a couple of months ago. It's got, we got to get better at managing this stuff earlier. Like you see really great installations do. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about the losses a little bit that this is one of my personal pet peeves uh, around CRM. Uh, one of the questions we ask when we're doing an implementation, um, when does a deal get into your CRM? And more often than not, I hear, um, well, we put in the deals that we think are most likely to close. And they're not capturing anything around, you know, this whole other portion of their pipeline that right. uh, uh, they have no insight into. They're not collecting any data on. And so they have no idea what happened. So that, that's one problem. The other problem is the ones we lose, we're not really capturing why we lost. We're not doing any... Um, anything that could support a retrospective. Uh, when you're dealing with your with your customers, you know how do you coach them in those areas? So um, we all know why we won. We did an educated job. We we qualified them well. Blah blah blah. The reason we lost is um, because you know they were stupid. Um, they had an inside person. Uh, the other company you know went fifty percent discount. No, the reason you lost is because you got outsold. Period. If you're okay saying this is a live deal in stage two, if you lose it in stage five, you got outsold. That's okay. Sometimes you do. Yep. But but the issue was you got to go back and look at what you're doing in stage two and stage three yep. to find out why you lost it. You didn't lose it in stage four or five. You lost it way earlier than that. And right. that's what's great about a CRM. So we coach managers to sit back and say, if you've got you know, a whole bunch of maybe slipping um, or you're losing, how much energy did the deal really have early? I'm a huge fan of energy. I believe that sales is like a roller coaster, right? Yeah. You know, you get up there, you get up there, you get to the top, you get, I, I, and then the deal goes south, it goes dark, it goes ghost. We have names for it, right? Yeah. Well, it wasn't that last stage four to stage five push to get you over the edge. It was what happened back in stage two. Right. Only a good buy sales process that's got good input and stuff and so on that tells me what the give gets are from a customer standpoint, and nine times out of 10, Chris, what happens is we go in and look at stage two and it's do discovery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Like a presentation? <laughs> well, a presentation is a one-way form of communication. What what things did you require? Did you require access to the to this the, the senior level executive, the ATL buyer to ask them what their three, six, nine months plans were? Did you ask them when they're going to make a decision? Did you ask them? No, we didn't do any of that. So that's what we see on those maybes and losses is all the customer facing stuff that didn't happen in stage two that didn't get that roller coaster over the hill. Right. Right. And if you're capturing that stuff into CRM, 
you're getting that insight where you can go back and do those retrospectives and try to look for patterns and, and say, hey, look, I'm seeing you know these deals that we're losing. We're not hitting the mark in stage two, like you're saying. We're not doing these things. These other ones that we're winning, we're doing these and it's working. The ones we're losing, we're not doing those. Let's start doing what's working. So the typical argument, right, Chris, is, well, I'm not going to tell my salespeople what to do. I mean, they're really good salespeople and stuff. And uh, here's what happens, okay? They get to stage two and they know if they put a lot of stuff in there, they're going to get managed. So they don't do anything there. And all of a sudden the deal's now on stage five. And hey, I'm happy at stage five. We can close and make the number. And I really don't care how they got there. They got there. And, you know, that's really a big fallacy. What do you guys do? When a customer comes to you and says, you know, we've got a lot of deals that are constantly in stage two and then go to stage five. What do you guys tell them that they've got to do? Right. No, I mean, from from your say that, what do you hear back? What do people say to you? Oh, without a doubt, people sit back and go, well, we got to tell them what to do. They don't like being told what to do. If you don't implement standards and process standards, you're never going to give get above 30 percent forecast accuracy. Right. And, and that's a cultural issue. Hey, guys, part of your job is documentation. I'm sorry, because you don't own the account. The company does. So if you can't document where we're at in stage two or three, so we can help you with good coaching, you're a lone wolf. We don't really kind of like hiring lone wolves. So if you don't want to play with everybody so we can create leverage, geez, have a good time being an independent rep because there's no room for you here. I mean, you got to draw some lines, I think. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I question I always ask the sales leaders we have on the the CROs, the VPs of sales is, uh, you know, getting uh, user adoption is so critical to success of a CRM project. And, you know, you have to give a why to your sales team, you know, that explains this is why CRM is important. This is why we need you to do this. That gets them to buy in. And the why you know, has to be done from different ways. You just summarized one of the key elements there to me that is a key part of why sales teams need to use CRM. Are there other reasons that you think, you know, that should be part of uh, uh, the why statement that you're giving to your sales team about CRM? Sure, a couple, okay? The devil's always in the details, right? I wanna know who's in control of the sale. So if a salesperson is just doing, 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 right, the buyer's in control, right? Buyers are always neutral. If you're not in control, someone else is. And that could be do nothing, spend the money elsewhere, a competitor, anybody who prevents you from getting your orders competition. So that's an issue. I can dive into my CRN and see what were the give gets? What were the things that the customer was supposed to give us, right? Hi, you know, did the customer actually send us a couple slides that we asked for to give us their 2020? one, you know, initiatives. You know, no, no, they didn't. What did you ask? No, nah, we didn't. Well, there's a good coaching opportunity for us there, isn't there? Yep. Because we're not just going to constantly do what the customer says to do. That's a big one. Another big one, without a doubt, early in the process is where the salesperson sits back and says, this person's my champion. This person's my guy, right? And, and I'm going to follow him. Well, he's typically what we call a below the line buyer, who's a very nice person. But He's the one who's got budget money. Our definition of a more senior level C, you know, C-suite buyer is they could rob Peter to pay Paul. They could take the money from here and go there. And right. that's the kind of buyer we will also want as our champion because they're sitting back going, well, heck, for another 20%, we can get it to do this and this. Let's go. 
our below the line buyers like, no, 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 I only have budget for this. I only could do that. So I can watch early in the process who you've contacted and what you said. And that's good material to coach as opposed to, hey, what's our next step? Well, John wants a, a proposal by Friday. Okay, let's go give it to him. Well, stop. Who's in control of that? We're just doing what they're telling us to do. Right. That's a bad thing. So that's why you get so many maybes in the funnel and low forecast accuracies. Right. No, I love that. I love that. That's great advice. Um, the uh, uh, we, had, we had a client implement a CRM system. And they yeah. had in their deals something called L1, L2, L3, okay? L1 was purely subjective, level one. Why do they want to do business with this? Oh, they hate what they have now. Okay, good. L2, well, they, they've got this kind of a problem. Well, that's good, you know, pain point problem. L3, L3 was always numbers. We believe in asking, what's the size of the problem? Because all of a sudden the person says, you know what? I got a $30 million problem here. You know, I've got a 10% market share problem. You know, we, we committed $50 million to this, expecting $50 million in revenue, and we're probably going to get 30 So I'm short 20 If you can get numbers, that's L3, and you can track that in a CRM. Any deal over 100 k you're not L3 by stage two, what are you doing? What, what are you right. doing? You're just showing up and throwing up. Right. That type of stuff is what managers need to coach to. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, the... Uh, uh, I hear this a lot where uh, one of the questions we ask uh, early on with us is like, why do you want CRM? What, what it, you know, what's driving this? And the, a lot of sales leaders think CRM is going to solve their problems in with sales. Um, what's your answer to that? Or what's Chris, your- I thought, I thought when my, my twin daughters turned 16 by buying them a car that was going to solve my problem by driving them around town. Well, enter a whole new set of problems because you know they, their driving habits were, were were interesting. My one daughter, within a year, uh, came home and there was a little dent in the car, and I said, "Alex, what's that?" She goes, "Well, Dad, I parked the car at the mall, and as I was driving in, the light post moved." Like, okay, yeah, good. <laughs> Haven't heard that one before. Wow, jeez, light post move. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, it jumped. It jumped right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you, you enter a whole new set of problems by not, I talked to somebody the other day, they got a 50 salesperson organization and they don't have CRM. My jaw hit the ground. I'm like, yeah. how are you tracking activity levels? How yeah. are you going to forecast correctly? Are, are you using an abacus? I mean, you right. mean, geez. So what we see, different levels of implementation of CRM, of course, but the, the best ones, keep it simple. Yep. They first manual, manual, put together their process and yep. then automate it. They don't try to think of an automated system. It's got to give them process 2.0. No, no, no. Manually put together what you want, scotch tape it, and then let technology implement what your process is. Don't expect CRM to be the new process. You're not using the tool for what it is. Yep. And that's got to be a good implementation. Guys, get your, get your leaders together. What do we do in stage one? What do we do in stage two? What do we do in stage three? You know, and not heavy, heavy, just 80, 20 it, and then automate that rather than implement CRM and we'll figure out our process later. Jeez, that, that, that's going to give you a whole different set of problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The worst, not the worst, but one of the worst ones I've seen is this: the admin of the CEO would send out a spreadsheet every Monday saying, hey, guys, give me your pipeline. And she'd collect it throughout the week and then would send out, here's the pipeline on Friday. 
Well, it's already, I mean, it, it's, it's worthless. See, I love that because it's a shell game. So if I'm a sales yeah. rep on week one and I put account A, B, C in, and they all fell through by the next week. I'm just going to put account DEF in because yeah. no one's going to ask me about account ABC. It's like, oh, where, where, what was under that shell? Oh, yeah. I, it, there's so many places to hide as a mediocre or bad sales rep in that process. That yeah. that's so if I'm an A player, I yeah. know no one's using this thing. I'm not going to put it. As you said earlier, if something like technology is not mutually beneficial, the reps won't do it. No. So the reps got to figure out what's in it for me. And that's got to be planned before you implement CRM. Because yeah. if it's not mutually beneficial, I'll find a way around it. Oh, exactly. And that's a big part of it is really finding that that way that, you know, if CRM is done right, you're giving a tool, a really powerful tool to your sales team. You know, it's not a weight that's going to drag them down. This is something that's a tool that's going to help them drive business and make more money. Because bottom line, that's what they want. They want to make more money. I want to buy that bigger house or have that better car or whatever. Exactly right. You know, my wife and I are both pretty good bicycles and we bought ourselves pretty cheap bikes to really learn how to do a good job riding. But I've rode bikes from a kid, but, but really good road biking. We wanted to figure that out. So we bought mediocre bikes and for a year or two kind of did that. Went on, you know, trips around the world on bikes. And then we bought ourselves good bikes because we knew what to expect from those bikes. Right. Same with CRM. Put together a process together that you think in 2021 is really acceptable for you yep. and automate that. Don't try to just buy the expensive bike. You're not going to be able to use it. and You're going to get frustrated with all the tools. Oh, yeah. You're going to throw a whole lot of money at something you think is going to fix all your problems. And Why do I buy CRM? Why do I buy CRM? My forecast accuracy is terrible. It's all hook and crook and crystal ball. Yep. My sales cycles are too long. And I don't know where in my sales process I can shorten it. I yep. think if I, you know, close the deals faster by giving them a discount by the end of the month, it'll shorten sales cycle and your real problems really stage two, three. And then, well, we, we don't really conform to a sales process. I mean, yeah, I get it, but you know, we don't, well, stages isn't really our game. We've got companies who would sell a hundred dollars a month, you know, MRR. The sales cycles were 31 days. We got them down to nine and they use CRM to track that effectively. Yeah. And we got companies who sell million dollar stuff. Yep. So please don't tell me you don't, you don't have a process and you don't have, you know, forecast accuracy issues. That's what CRM, a good CRM implementation is going to fix for you and take that 25% asset of a company and start it making you money as opposed to being a sinkhole where we just keep throwing, you know, quotas and down there and you know only 40 percent of my salespeople are making making their number well that's what our industry is oh stop it right right yeah i don't buy any of that it, it's uh um, you know our tagline is objectively better crm for business and that objectively part is it's all about metrics around your process you yep. know if you're not measuring like how long are our deals spending in each stage um you know and tracking that how are you going to get better as a sales leader, and I was a VP of sales of a couple of companies, I had a sign on my desk. If you can't measure it, why do it? Right. I mean, I want to know where I start and where I win and how I win. Yep. I want to know if I can score seven points or 50 points because I know where to put my, my, my assets. I like the 7.1 much better. But if I could take the same energy and get 50 points, I mean, geez, I may not like it that much, but it's like five times, six, ten, 10 times better. Let's go. Yeah. So, yeah. So metrics are important. And most companies we see with CRMs don't have those exit criteria metrics. Oh, I love the weighted average. If it's in stage two, it's 30%. If it's in stage four, it's you know 
Stop it. That's a shell game. All right. If, if it's in stage two and all the metrics are following, that's an 80 percenter. It's in stage two. And because the customers give and getting just because they took a presentation, they took a demo, they took a proposal, doesn't increase their odds of winning. You've, you've been doing all the work. Yeah. I, that is another one of my, you hit on one of my other personal pet peeves <laughs> or people where they're like, they, it's the percentage tied to the stage. I hate that. It's a shell game. It's a shell yeah. game. Yeah. That to me is like, guys, that, that's not telling you anything. That just, it, the, the weighted average, all it's going to yeah. do is weigh you down and get you out of a job. That's all it's going to do because you're taking all the risk. The salesperson right. said, Hey, I said it was a 30 percenter. You're the one who took my total times that by 0.3. And counted that as revenue. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you do that? No, yeah. is it coming in or not? I want to know. Right. Yeah, that's what should be driving. How engaged is that customer? How you know in those early stages? That's where you're measuring your the value of your pipeline. To the point. Yep. 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 Exactly right. I love that. I love that. So, if people want to get in touch with you, Skip, what's the best way for them to reach out and connect with you and learn more about M3 Learning? Sure. M3 Learning stands for Miller and his three kids. Uh, M3Learning.com. Uh, We've got a number of books, Proactive Selling, Selling Above and Below the Line. My newest book just came out called Outbounding, which, which is interesting. You know, a lot of the inbound leads are, are drying up and sales reps are saying, well, I'm going to have to outbound to, to get some business, you know, 20% of my quota. Well, I go, well, well how's your outbound efforts now? And they go, well, I sent a guy an email a week or so ago. I'm still waiting to hear back. And, and that's your outbounding. So I had a, I hate writing books, but I had to write the book because too many people in the last 10 years have been following up on inbounds, following up on inbounds, and they think that's sales, which it is. But following up on an inbound lead and following up on an outbound lead is very different. And mm -hmm. no one's teaching those skill sets. Right. So I came out with outbounding. It's been doing very well. Um, but that's the skill set that you should also coach to. So that book's on Amazon and stuff, but m3learning.com or, or have them just skip at m3learning.com. Send me an email, happy to help. And if you guys want any questions answered or anything else like that, Skip, I have this one question. I'll pick up the phone. I mean, for me to talk to you for 10, 15 minutes about a question, that's fun. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of the enjoyable part of the job. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way with CRM. I tell people, everyone I meet, you want to talk about CRM? Call me anytime. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about sales process? Call me anytime. I love to talk about that stuff. So Skip, I love your energy. I absolutely love that you came on the show. It's This has been terrific talking with you and, and getting to meet you finally. So thank you again for, for being on Sales Lead Dog. Well, your, your reputation is, is so stunning. It's just far, you know, your, your list of customers have done some homework on your company and stuff. I mean, you, you really make sure that people use your stuff or, or, or really use it well, or you don't want to do business with them. So, and that's, that's a great reputation to have. So it's been an honor being on your show. Thank you, Skip. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash Sales Lead Dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM. Delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.